the hand of God financially helping out. And in our alpha group yesterday, I shared one situation, and so Elizabeth said, why don't you tell about that? So I'm, I'm gonna do that really, really quickly. Um, and this goes back quite a few years. We had just moved out to the country. We had bought the house. Um, we were doing a lot of renovations. Um, my husband was working. Everything was based on a plan, and you know how plans seldom go the way we expect. At least we should plan to not plan. Anyway, um, my husband lost his job after the first year, and we had already started to renovate and put an addition on the house, and all that came to an abrupt halt. Uh, we had a line of credit that was um, $20,000 um, in order to do this, and it was maxed out. He wasn't working, and, and in fact, he was off for eight, eight years, and I was only working part-time, had to go back full-time plus, so I was working enough for him and for myself, and it still wasn't enough to make ends meet. Um, the bank came along and called in the loan and said, you know, we want it back. And I was barely, you know, making enough to, to keep the roof over our heads, let alone come up with $20,000. And the long and the short of it is, there were certain people I knew that could have given us money, and it was very humbling to go to individuals and say, look, could you help us out? And everything was no, because we were not a good risk at that stage in the game. And what happened was I came to the end of everything where there was nothing more I could do. I even went to a financial institution um, where they were supposed to help you um, to avoid bankruptcy. And, and I went there and you know laid it all out and you know she did the figures and everything and she said, no, I'm sorry. You will have to declare bankruptcy. There's just no way that you're gonna get out of this mess like you will, you're gonna lose the house and so on and so forth. And I was devastated because I had been slaving away to try to just keep the roof over our heads. And what happened was, while I was sitting there, tears in my eyes and thinking, oh my gosh, this is just dreadful. This is, you know, I'm, I'm doing my best. I'm doing everything I, I know to do and it's not good enough. And then the Lord spoke to me and he said, you know what, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I'm your father. You are my child. You are an heir to all these things. All the promises in the Bible are yours, and you just need to ask for it. I'm here for you. And you can see how you've done everything. You've done everything humanly possible, but you haven't come to me. And so when I went and I thought, oh my gosh, that's right. And so this, you know, I went from teary to this big smile on my face, which, and then I said to the lady, oh my gosh, I have been barking up all the wrong trees. I said, I'm rich. And you know, she looked at me, oh, okay. And I said, I am rich. I said, my father, and I quoted the scripture, I said, it says right in the Bible, my father says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I need to go to him. He's going to get me out of this. And so I had an opportunity to kind of witness to her. She thought, ooh-ooh. <laughs> but anyway, it was wonderful. I left totally feeling at peace and excited about how God was going to get me out of this situation. And sure enough, about three days later, this envelope came in the mail, and it was a, had a big lawyer sticker on it. And it, my, at first, my heart sank because I thought, oh, it's the bank. This is it. We're done. 
But anyway, opened up the envelope, and in it was a check for $22,000. And it was from my grandmother's estate, when, and she had died long, long. But anyway, the check came in. It covered the expense. We, I did cartwheels back in the day, and so on and so forth. And I thought, yes, this is what he was talking about. He is so faithful. And I've got a million stories I could tell you. This was just the one that you know I shared yesterday. So Elizabeth said, go ahead and do that. God is so faithful. And he will do amazing things if we just ask and if we come to him. But he's faithful to us. So I implore you to be faithful back and do what he says, which is to give the 10%. And it's not like he needs it. He, like Michael has said before, he doesn't need our money but it's to teach us to be faithful and to be disciplined and so on and so forth. And if we do our part, kind of in the contract, he does his part more, more so than anything we can ever hope or imagine. He is the most awesome God. Awesome, 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 awesome. God. Sorry, I... Thanks, Patricia. Give it up for Patricia. Come on, show some love. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, God is good. He is good. Um, and with that, right before we get to speaking, um, we're going to take a quick five-minute break. So we have breakfast over here. We have breakfast over here. Shake some hands, meet someone you haven't met yet, and we'll be back in five minutes.
All right. Hello, my good man. Hello, hello. Uh, that was a good handshake, right? Yeah, that's good. All right, if you want to bring it in. Thanks for being here today, everyone, in the nice weather and all this good stuff. Uh, like we always do every single possible week that we've ever had here, can we show some love and appreciation to everyone who serves on a team? Come on. You're amazing. Um, like we always say, this isn't a one-person show. It's not a small team of people that run everything. It's all of us, right? It's all of us pitching in, and we really appreciate everything. And uh, hey, I got to say thank, thank you for letting me li miss last week to go on the youth trip overflow with the, with the youth here. That was a lot of fun. Um, if this is your first time ever here, on your chair there's a little blue card. Uh, you can fill this out. Leave it at the info booth at the back, and uh, we have a free uh, gift card for you just to say thank you. Um, and also, um, <laughs> next week, which is June 2nd, we have our partnership meeting, our, our uh, spring partnership meeting. And basically what church partnership is, is when you've decided to make Mountainside your home church. Uh, this is where we serve, this is where we give, this is where we attend. Um, and basically we, we meet a couple times a year, we go over finances, we go over goals, kind of vision, kind of what is coming up in the next few months. So that is next week. And anyone can become a partner, okay? So if you go to mountainside.church slash partnership, you'll get all the info there on how you can become a partner. You can become a partner by next Sunday. And if you are going to be attending that meeting, if you could just let my beautiful wife, Olivia, know, uh, at Olivia at mountainside.church, uh, you can go from there. And oh, I have one more thing. I was told to say this. My beautiful daughter is turning one, which is crazy, which is crazy. And uh, we're, we're having a little birthday party for her at Memorial Hall uh, Playground, uh, just across from Tim Hortons at the fairgrounds there, uh, from 2 to 4 this Saturday, okay? So you're all invited to Sayla's birthday, okay? You've made it in life, okay? You've made it. Uh, Oh, is, is that me? Is that me? That is me. My bad. <laughs> um, and with that, junior youth, you are dismissed. So grade five, six, seven, eight, you are good to head out with Chris there waving at you and George and all, all you guys. Have a great, great time. Um, okay, so speaking of Sailor, the other week, I, uh, I was holding her and, and then she was kind of crawling on the ground, this kind of thing. And, you know, I, as a parent, sometimes you just have these moments where you're just really thankful. You're just extremely thankful for your kids. And I remember going up to her, she's lying down, my face is all close to hers, and I'm just kind of gushing, right? I'm just having this special moment, just like, oh, Sayla, there, there's no one like you, I love you so much, I'm going to protect you forever, kind of all this stuff, whatever. And uh, I'll, I'll never forget what she says back to me, like, it's kind of one of these moments I'll remember for the rest of my life. I'm kind of, I'm gushing, just, oh, I love you so much, Sayla, this kind of thing. And she looks back and says, <laughs> right in my face. And I'm kind of like, oh, okay, well, thanks for that back. Uh, and then sh she smacked me. <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm hoping for, you know, oh, I love you, Dad, and, you know, this kind of thing back. But it, it's okay because she doesn't know English yet. She's not good with her words yet. She's getting there. She's, she's, she just learned to say Noah, and she said bubble, and kind of, you know, we're, we're getting there. Um, and today I want to I talk to you about uh, self-control. In the final message in our series, and, and specifically, how it has to do with the words that we say and, 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 and the, the things that we say. And basically, the, pr the premise of, of this series we've been talking about called Growing Self-Control is um, that you actually can be a self-controlled person in life. You can actually be a self-controlled person. Uh, can you imagine that vice 
that default vice that we always go back to, imagine the next time we went to it that's not healthy, and we actually had the ability to resist it and say, actually, I'm not going to give it to that. Can, can you imagine the next time you had a choice between right and wrong, and you really wanted to do the wrong thing, but you chose the right thing? You know, can you imagine a life, can you imagine loving your spouse and your friends and your kids the exact way that we're supposed to? And self-control is, is, is a huge part of that, right? Can you imagine your relationship with God going so, so, so deep, as deep as it needs to be going? Self-control is a part of that, though. We, we need to be self-controlled people. It's, it's actually extremely valuable in life uh, to do that. So the first week we talked about how self-control is not willpower. It's not just being really good mentally, like, I gotta... I gotta be strong. No, no, no. Self-control is actually a spiritual um, ability from God that helps us do the right thing and helps us resist evil, right? And, th and then we talked about how we actually grow that into our life by spending time with Jesus. And, and the more time we spend with Jesus is He's gonna wear off on us and He's gonna teach us to be like Him. So today, just a final piece of advice on self-control um, straight from the Scriptures on how we grow self-control. And it has to do with the words that we say and in, in, in the, the key is with our words, okay? So the truth is, words matter. Words matter. And, and we've done messages on, on wor words before, right? But, but words set us up for which direction we're, we're headed in life. And, and, and how we speak actually helps determine how we think, and it, it changes our perspective, right? And so, so, so it, it's important. So let's look at the power of words, and let's look at how to be self-controlled people with our words, okay? Um, it, this part... This part of the Bible is in James, and James is a church leader, and he's a brother of Jesus. He's way back in ancient history, and he's writing to uh, a group of people that follow Jesus. They want to love God with all their heart, but they're struggling. They need some advice. They need some encouragement, and uh, this is what he says, okay? In James chapter 3, it says this, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Yikes, right? Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, if we could control the words that we speak, right, we would be perfect and, look, and could control ourselves in every other way. In every other way. And just, just a little side note, I love how, I love how James brings the, the leadership thing up, up, up front, okay? Did you know that teachers are actually held to a higher uh, standard when the day finally comes when life is being judged and everything is being judged of, okay, what's this, what's this kind of thing? Um, if I'm here preaching, guys, let's be doing this, we should be doing this, I better be living that, you know, or, you know, or at least making that honest attempt of, of, of doing that. And I, I just love the next part of what he says, though. He says, everyone makes mistakes. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, that's good. I can, I, I, that makes me feel a little bit better, you know, because in case you didn't know, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm up here teaching every week. I'm, I'm still human, okay? I'm still human. Look, I'm not going to hit the mark every time. I'm going to make some calls over here when I should have made a call over here. You know, I, I'm going to make a decision, hey, let's do this when we, we should have done this. Um, but I, I need to say up front, I just got to add this in. I'm so thankful for you as our church family. I'm, I'm so thankful that, you know, we are a church family that shows grace to, to this pastor, okay? Uh, this is my first time as, as in a lead pastor role, and, you know, we're just learning 
as we go, you know, week by week. So how do you lead a church at one year? I don't know. Let's find out. How do you lead a church at two? I don't know. Let's, you know, we're just kind of all in this learning together. And, and you all have all been so incredible and kind to me, this 20-year-old something pastor with a lot of grace. So I, I just want to say I, I thank you for that, okay? Just a little side note. I just want to applaud you guys and just, you guys are the best, okay? I'm so honored to be part of this church family. And I, I think we are headed in the right direction, you know, three years in. I think, I think there's been growth. I think, I think we have, you know, a past that's really exciting and a future that's even more exciting. So that's just a little side note. I, 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 that was just in there, and I'm like, oh, I, I got to bring that up. But I want to look at this end part of that. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect. Whew. And could also control ourselves in every other way. Controlling what we say pretty tough, isn't it, to be honest? You know, sometimes we have in our head, okay, this is what I need to say, this is what I shouldn't say, this, and then when it comes to actually living life in reality, it's just like, oops, did, did I say that? I wasn't supposed to let that slip or, or, or whatever. But there's something so tough about controlling your tongue, about controlling the words. And, and he goes on, and this gets a little tense, okay? But everything he's saying, 100% true. Look, look at verse 3. He says this, we can make a large horse... Go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. It's true, right? And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. That, that's true too, right? Something small, big impact. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But then it kind of gets intense, right? But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire. It gets really intense. For it is set on fire by hell itself. Wow. <laughs> like, it's, it's true though, right? Words, word, words are powerful. It, it seems a little dramatic. It seems like a, a little over top, but it's, it's, it's true. How many lives have either been saved or destroyed, just depending on how a couple sentences happen, right? How, how many good things have happened in life because of words? How many bad things have happened because of words? Let's go extreme. How many wars have either been started or have not been started just because of a, a couple words, right? And if, if you didn't know it, words matter. What we say matters. And, and they don't matter simply just because they're powerful and they're gonna set the direction of your life which, by the way, they will, how you speak, that's going to set you up for wh where you're headed in life. But words matter because it's actually the beginning of self-control. You, 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 see, you see that verse there. It's like, um, if we can master this, if we can figure out our words, self-control with our words, everything else will follow. Every other area of, of life f follows, right? So if, if you need self-control, say, you know, it's, it's your bedtime ritual, you watch Netflix at, at night before bed, you get the remote, and it's just, you, you know you should be sleeping, but you're watching Netflix. Look, that, you need some self-control there, right? But it, you only need the self-control at nighttime when you're about to go to bed with the remote. That's when you need self-control. If you need self-control with food, that only happens when it's possible to eat food. Sometimes you're at work, sometimes you're doing this, it's, it's not always possible. Look, when it comes to words, though, words follow you all day long. <laughs> you have the ability to say words all day long. It's this constant need for self-control. It's a part of being human. And there's something so tough and difficult, though, about controlling our words. And, and I, I really believe, just like what the Scripture says, is if we can, if we can figure out how to be self-controlled with our words, 
Everything else will follow that. Self-control will follow that and come out of that. So I, I want to uh, just briefly look at three ways, three ways where we struggle with our words. And I kind of want to look at the struggle, and I kind of want to look at uh, the antidote of how we uh, defeat that, okay? Because I, I really do believe God wants to help us grow self-control with what we say and the speech that we have. And, and he wants us to win in this area, okay? And from there, I, I really do believe, you know, it starts there, and God will open up self-control in a lot of other areas in our life. But it starts with words, okay? Now, I, I know there's more than three traps to struggling with words, okay? But these are kind of three that, that our culture struggles with, with a lot. And, and uh, maybe you do. Maybe you don't, but maybe you do, okay? So let's start with this. First one is showing anger with our words. Showing anger with our words. This is probably one of the most destructive forces on earth, right? Is when we, we get angry to the point where it's not just we're angry, we're now angry with our words. We're, we're saying things that, that we didn't mean to say. We're, we're saying things that, that we didn't realize we're, we're deep down there. And it, it just, it, it's, it's wild. Um, in Proverbs chapter 27, 27, it says this. The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint, restraint. And whoever has understanding is even-tempered. So there's this kind of concept of, of not being extremely over here, not being extremely over here when it comes to our temperament, but kind of this even temperament where it's actually admired and, and, and spoken well of in, in the scriptures. And, and the, the goal is not to be an angry person, right? And, and I know this seems obvious and simple, but the goal is to be well, even tempered, well tempered, right? Um, and, and the key to doing it, restraint. Restraint. The scriptures speak of restraint. And, and re restraint defeats that rage, right? That anger, that, that boiling up inside. And, and when we get angry, we become different people, don't we? That, that's just that's the thing. We say things we don't mean. It's like someone else takes over us. And, and the truth is this, though. Words matter. It's like, oh, it, it, it's not this thing where it's like, oh, but I, I was just angry. I, I take it back. I didn't mean that I was angry. It's, but wor words matter, though. And it's tough to take words back and, and get them back in. And, and the suggestion that I, I would leave you with today is sometimes when, when that's happening, when anger is kind of boiling up and, and kind of, you know, our words are about to say something that we don't need to say and this kind of thing, sometimes the best thing to do is just to press pause. I just need to take a walk. You know what, I just need to, I just need to end this convo right now. I just need to take a walk. I just need to take a break. And because again, remember, even-tempered. We want to be even-tempered people, right? And that restraint kind of kicks in. And obviously, we need to be responsible. We don't want to just always avoid tough conversations and say, I'm going to get angry. I'm leaving. Like, we, we don't want to get to that point. But sometimes we need to use that wisdom that Proverbs talks about and just restraint, restraint, restraint. Second, second area that I think is, is a struggle when it comes to our words is being critical of others with, with our words. Being critical. It's really easy to be critical in this day and age and where, where we live. I feel like every week there's a new blog that's like, you know, something awesome. It's like criticizing it just for, for, for something. But being a positive person in life, that actually matters. That actually matters. Jesus, if you look at his life, he's positive. He's positive. He's always seen the best in people. He's, he's not pointing out their flaws and trying to, you know, emphasize those flaws. No, no, he, he doesn't criticize people just for the sake of it. He's positive. He speaks life in us. Can you imagine a life where, where we could live 
with that mindset where we're not being critical people. Uh, I, I love this verse because it's so hard, but it's so good. In Matthew 5, Jesus is teaching some friends. He says this, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Bless them. So someone's cursing you, it's like, yeah, you, you know what? God bless you. I bless you. It's like, what? Speaking well when they're not doing the other? And, and I, would, I would challenge you that the antidote to criticism is compliments. And again, I know that seems so, so simple. Compliments? Yeah, compliments defeat criticism. I, I, have you ever been around someone where they just annoy you? And she's like, oh, the way you talk <laughs> and the way you think and the way you, you know, it's, I, I'm sure there's got to be at least one person, unless you're like the best person in the world. There's got to be at least one person where you're just like, oh, that person annoys me. <laughs> it's really easy just to criticize, right? Oh, you hear that person did that. Oh, why do you always do this? Why did you just do that? That wasn't wise. Is it, you, whatever. I remember hearing this advice a long time ago, and I'm telling you, it, it changes how you live, okay? When you want to criticize someone, you compliment them. When you want to criticize someone, you compliment them. Love your enemies. Bless those that curse you. And you find that one tiny puny little thing that's like, a, like you, you work real hard, right? Try to find the one thing that you can compliment about them. And, oh, oh I'm pulling that again, sorry. <laughs> and you just emphasize that. And not just compliment them, but in front of other people, you compliment them. And it takes everything inside of you to do it. It's like, oh, this is really hard to not be critical, but instead to compliment. This is really hard. And it hurts to do it first, but I'm, I'm telling you, as you do that, you realize you, you have now become a different person. Like, like, like literally, it, you aren't owned by your words anymore. You realize that. You aren't owned by, I need to say this negative thing. I need to be critical of this person. You realize that, whoa, God's actually given me self-control over my words. Compliments defeat criticism, okay? We are people who when we feel like criticizing, you know what? We're going to find what we can compliment and we're going to speak well with people. We're going to be positive people. We're going to compliment people. And the third thing here, and this is, this is number one church killer. Number one church killer. Gossiping with our words. Gossiping with our words. If, if a church has ever, has ever split, if it's ever died, if it's ever been divided, anything like that, I guarantee you gossip is at the source. Guarantee you gossip is at the source. And again, we, we don't do problem preaching here. We do proactive preaching. <laughs> so we don't wait for a problem to show up and then try to preach it out. It's like, no, we're just, before anything shows its face, we're just going to, we're going to, so I, I'm glad we're a part of this church and this isn't our thing. But Proverbs 16 says this, a troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. I've seen it. And you've probably seen it too. It happens. We need to be people who avoid gossip at all costs. And, and, and how, do we, how do we do this? Gutsy conversations. Gutsy conversations defeats gossip. There, there's many reasons why, I'm sure, psychologically or whatever, of, of why it's just in us as humans to just want to talk about other people and gossip and this, this kind of thing. But I feel like a major reason of why we gossip is there's something left unresolved. We have something to say to someone that we, ha we haven't said yet. And, and if someone has something to say to, something, uh, to, to someone, instead of, keep, instead of just going and talking about it, they keep it to themselves, and it boils up, and it eventually spews all over the place, around the people closest around. Oh, I'll stop doing that too. <laughs> um, but that's not who we are. We aren't people who gossip. We, 
when we have something to say to someone, we show courage and we say it. We say it. We don't talk to someone else about a problem that we have with someone else. We don't, we don't say, oh, can you believe this person did this? Isn't that wild? Or, or, or can you believe that that person did that? Or, oh, I, I can't believe that. You know, that's not who we are. That's not who we are. No, 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 no. We deal with things. If we have something to say to someone, we just go say it. We say it. Is this awkward? Absolutely it's awkward. Brutal. And well, actually, for some people find it awkward. Some people love it, right? It's like, yeah, let's go say something, you know. Um, but for me, oh, my goodness, uncomfortable. But look, it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. Jesus never avoided a difficult conversation. Never. He would just go for it. He would just go for it. If something came up, he dealt with this. And look, I want to give every person in the room this push, okay? If you have something to say to someone about something, just go and say it. Just go and say it. But to that specific person, not to someone else, to talk about someone else and this kind of thing. And I, I, I was so, so proud of our church the other week. Um, someone sent me a, a, a message asking me a, a specific question about something with, with the church. And, and, and instead of going to, you know, other people talking here, um, they just sent me a Facebook message. And they said, hey, I'm a little concerned and a little confused by this. Can you help me understand a little bit here? And, and then guess what? We figured it out. And, and we, in person we acknowledged it. And, and it, it, it's all good. Like, you don't understand. That convo actually made me so happy. I was actually so happy by that convo where it was like, you know what, I'm just going to go, I have a question for Bronson, I'm just going to go ask him. Like, that's, that, that's what, you know, something I'm so proud of for our church, right? Like, that's who we are. That's, that's what we do. So I want to encourage you, let's keep that attitude moving forward where we're willing to have a little awkward, gutsy convo of just kind of like, hey, I, I know this is, I know you might be offended by this, but, but I just want to, this is honestly what's in my mind right now. This is what I'm thinking. So I'm going to talk about it. That's beautiful. Gutsy conversations defeats gossip every time. I, I, I love that. I love that. And of course, you know, we, we tackled three things here. There are a thousand different struggles we could talk about with our words, but this, this I think is a good start. This is a good start. This is something that our culture struggles with, I feel. And sometimes we can get caught up in it, but this is a good start. And I'm telling you, if we can grow self-control in this area, everything else will sort itself out. Everything else will sort itself out. Words matter. Words matter. And I, I want to read you one more verse um, in Proverbs 21. And it talks about growing self-control with words. It says this, whoever guards their mouth in their tongue keeps their soul from troubles. Whoever guards their mouth. And I just love that, that, that word picture, right? Of kind of you're, you know, you're, you're, you're protecting. You're protecting your mouth. You're guarding your mouth. We're not just saying what we think. We're not just randomly just spewing stuff out. It's, it's like, no, 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 actually, I'm going to be a self-controlled person when it comes to my words. And I'm going to guard. I'm going to protect my mouth. I'm going to protect my tongue. I'm going to protect my words and guard my words against anger, speaking out of anger, speaking out of criticism, or speaking out of gossip, and, and the other army of terrible things that our words are, are, are capable of. And, and look, as we guard our words, we're going to grow self-control with our words. And look, if we can figure that out, if, if, if we can get God to be growing that in our life, oh my goodness, self-control in every other area, it, it will find its place. It, it will find its place. And th this is the main idea I have for you today that I want to leave you with is this, is simply guarding our words 
helps us grow self-control. Guarding our words helps us grow self-control. Because it's actually possible to be self-controlled people. And again, I, I know I've been saying this for like three weeks in a row now, but, but some of us just need to actually get that deep in us. Some of us have, have lived a life of just, I'll never get past this. I'll always give in to this. I will always be this type of person. I will always, actually, you, no. You can be a self-controlled person. God actually has that for you. And it helps us love each other better when we're self-controlled. It helps us love God the way we should be doing it. It helps us live our calling out, our purpose in life, because we're not distracted with all these other things that are trying to drag us down. No, one focus. Focus on Jesus, focusing on God. So the application I have for you is really let's just try to have a, this mindset switch, this mindset change where, where words determine if we're actually self-controlled people. We want to be self-controlled people? We start with our words. We're going to be self-controlled with our words. And, and every time we're about to use our words in a way that tears down instead of build, builds up, let's just remember, no, no, these words actually matter. And maybe that's, you know, in a workplace context. Maybe that's in a family context. Maybe it's just with yourself. Words to yourself. Oh, I'm not good at this. Oh, this is it. Yeah. No, no, no. Use some self, let's use some self-control and say, no, no, no. That's actually not who God said I am. I'm going to be who God wants me to be. We're going to be self-controlled people. Let's guard our words. Way too much at stake here. Way too much at stake here. Um, I'm going to call the band up just as, just as we close. We're going to take communion. But I want to encourage you. Let's choose to be people who guard our words. When we guard our words, we're going to help our families stay strong, stay together. When we guard our words, we're going to realize and, and, and be able to, to love people like, like we've never done before. Because we're using self-control with our words. We're guarding our words. When we guard our words, the specific calling that God has for our life and the purposes that we have in life, we're going to be able to fulfill those. Starts with words, though. Who would, and who wouldn't want that, right? Who wouldn't want that, right? So self-control is the supernatural ability to do what's right. We can't grow it ourselves. It comes from God. It comes from Jesus. And the best way to start with that, the best way to say, yes, I am now a self-controlled person, is we start with our words. We say, God, help us guard our mouth. Guard our words. So do you need self-control in an area of your life? I do. <laughs> Jesus is the key, okay? Jesus is the key. And he's the source. And I, you read about the life of Jesus in the scripture is, it says that he was tempted any way that we could be tempted, Jesus was tempted. And the scriptures tell us that he was 100% perfect, never made a mistake. Anytime he was tempted with what we have daily been tempted with, he resisted every single time. And the good news is this, is that God is not looking at your life and judging your life based on how self-controlled you are or not and the sin that you've done or not. God is looking at your life, how he looks at Jesus, how Jesus lived. Perfectly self-controlled, perfectly sinless. The son of God, God of the universe. And, and I, I want to encourage you, if, if you've never put your faith in Jesus today, you can. You can believe that he is the son of God. You can believe that Jesus did come from heaven to earth, that he died on a cross, and three days later he rose again. And we can have a relationship with him when we put our faith in him.
Okay, so I, I encourage you, if you've never done that, what are we waiting for? Let's go for it. Let's do it. Just even now in your seats, you say, Jesus, I believe in you. Thank you for loving me. And he's there for you. He's there for you. Okay, let's, uh, let's close our eyes and let's pray. Jesus, I pray for every single person in the room this morning. I pray that we would be self-controlled people. I pray that the areas in our life where we've given up hope and said, I'll never be self-controlled in this area. God, I just pray for your hope to enter those areas now in the name of Jesus. And I pray for our words. I pray we would be people who guard our words and that we would be self-controlled with that. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're going to do something called communion. And as the, as the band sings this, this next song, um, the ushers are going to come forward. And we have uh, crackers. Yeah, you guys are going to come forward. We have, we have crackers um, that represent bread, and we have juice that represents wine. <laughs> okay? And basically what communion is is we're going to eat the cracker and, and drink the juice. Um, and that's representing Jesus' body and blood and the sacrifice that he has made for us. Okay? So... If you would like to pass, simply pass it on. You don't have to take communion right now if you wouldn't like. Um, and don't eat it right away. We're going to have it all together as a church. But just as these guys lead us in song, um, we'll, we'll have communion together just as we remember what Jesus has done for us. So thanks for leading us so well, band, as we, as we sing this song. Saints communion, 
Let's think about him on trial, even though he's done nothing wrong. Let's think about him getting beaten. Let's remember him on that cross, being crucified. Thank you, God. Now let's think about our own life. Let's think about the mistakes that we've done, where we have our flaws. And now let's remember that that sacrifice that Jesus has done for us takes all that away. We're clean, white as snow, totally sinless. Think about that statement for a second. You are sinless because of Jesus. Jesus, we remember your sacrifice today and we thank you for what you've done. Thank you for your body. Thank you for the blood that you spilled for us. We are nothing without you, God. We're thankful. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body. Eat it in remembrance of me. Let's eat it together today. And in the same way, he took the cup. Jesus, we're thankful for it. Let's drink together today. Jesus, I pray that we would live a life that honors you and we'd live a life that is thankful, God, for what you've done for us. In your name, amen. Amen. Thank you for being here today. Uh, I want to remind you, the prayer corner over here, if you have any prayer requests at all, big or small, um, as vague as you want, as specific as as you want, uh, we're going to have a team of people here uh, at the end that will pray for you. And other than that, God bless you. See you next week. I want to encourage you to consider becoming a partner if you are not yet. And uh, we'll see you next week. God bless. Thank you.